millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Welcome to the Boneyard with Steve Robertson. As always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Robertson, here on the Hump Day edition of The Yard as we talk about uh, what happened in Knoxville. Uh, some good, some bad in the end, another loss. But uh, you might be a little surprised at my reaction this morning as it is the wee hours of Wednesday morning. Matter of fact, I've already got just about all of Wednesday's work done uh, for Jean's page. I've got some work to do on the poetry book on Wednesday. So I plan to sleep late tomorrow or later today. And then we'll get up. We'll be on the message boards most of the day and uh, probably going to get a Mississippi State Bulldog football commitment later today. We'll have full coverage of that over on jeanspage.com. We'll talk a little bit about that today and kind of set up the announcement. But, uh, yeah, a lot going on for sure. And uh, I'm kind of looking forward to uh, to sleeping in. You know what happens is, you know, those days that you plan to sleep in, you're like, okay, I'm going to get everything done. I'm going to turn the phone off. And then, like, you get a delivery from UPS at, like, 8.15 in the morning. The dogs start barking and everything. And you got to get up anyway. That'll be my luck. But uh, nevertheless, we've already got a bunch of stories already loaded for Wednesday at Gene's Page. Uh, Mitch White uh, spoke to one of the newest offerees for 2022. That's Aaron Bryant, defensive lineman from South Haven, Mississippi. He's already got Arkansas, Ole Miss, now Mississippi State. Kids, kids are a real player. I mean, it really is. That's the fun thing for me about the recruiting process. It's not so much how the puzzle comes together. I enjoy identifying the puzzle pieces. I enjoy watching film. I enjoy getting out and calling coaches and kind of finding out and saying, hey, guys, who are the best players in your area? Who are some guys with legit Division One size, Division One ability? This part of the process is more fun to me than the end. It's finding these guys, identifying them, and then, of course, uh, kind of introducing them to uh, the recruiting world. I enjoy that aspect of it. Uh, immensely and I enjoy the summer camp portion of it hopefully we have summer camps this year that uh, seems to be somewhat in jeopardy a lot of discussion that the NCAA will extend the prohibition on off and on-campus recruiting so no face-to-face recruiting through the end of the academic school year and possibly into the month of June that could really throw a wrench in things and that's the thing that I think about you know it's we're, we're approaching signing day we're a week away many of these kids and they're still kids. 
many of these kids are making decisions about schools they've never been to. Not everybody has the resources to get out on their own dime and go travel to schools and get a feel for the town, that sort of stuff. And then if they do have the ability to do that, they can't go to other facilities. They can't go meet with advisors. I mean, if you're a student athlete, you're kind of prohibited from doing even the regular things that other students can do. And that's simply not fair. I understand there are some people out there that will cheat. You know, rules are made for the rule abiding. You know, laws are made for the law abiding because we adhere to that. You know, you, you make these rules to prohibit other people from gaining a competitive advantage in recruiting, but you basically penalize everybody and restrict those that are the, the folks that adhere to rules. Because, you know, the rules don't apply to cheaters. That's what makes them cheaters. They find a way to get around it. You know, they get guys to come to town and they'll have, uh, you know, kind of an agenda put together and have some players, you know, have some players go handle that, that aspect of it. You know, it's, hey, until they get caught for it, that they'd be a fool not to do it, right? Uh, so that's that's something you think about. But uh, yeah, this this is a really fun part because the juniors are all excited to talk. You know, it's their turn on the clock, and they're excited. It's okay. Like, hey, listen, I'm getting my first offers and getting my first interviews. I might get three or four stars next to my name, and so it's all out of fun for them. There's also not the pressure, right? You know, it's like it's one of those things too. Like right now, everybody wants to know about C.J. Johnson, and we'll talk about him a little later in the show. You know, we got a week to go. People are like, okay, Steve, what's the deal? Well, I don't know. I don't know what the deal is. I've tried to find out. They've been pretty tight-lipped about it. But right now, these juniors, most of them aren't planning to make a decision until later in the spring or much, much later in the process. And so you got plenty of time if they do make a commitment to kind of turn that thing around. But there is some finality in the process for these 2021 players that will make their decisions here uh, in the next week or so. Those that haven't already signed, of course, Mississippi State, three spots left. We expect one of those to be filled later today. Speaking of filling spots, you've got an aching spot in your, you know, in, in your abdomen right now because you're hungry. You're thinking about Bulldog Burger Company, and you should be, because you can go there and get full for a reasonable price. You can get great service, great food, a great portion, and a great price right there at Bulldog Burger Company. Now with two locations to serve you right here on University Drive in Stark, Vegas, and they're on Gloucester Street in Tupelo. Go by, have the spring rolls, have a great restaurant-quality hamburger. I've told you guys before, if you don't know what to order, and that's always the big challenge when you go to a new place, right? It's, well, you know, because if you get the wrong thing, you get a negative impression. So the first time you go to Bulldog Burger Company, let me encourage you, get the Bulldog. Go ahead and get that. It's a great rock-and-roll, straight-ahead American hamburger. Even get the Bulldog Burger logo on the bun. Go in there and you're going to find, you know what, this is great. And then the next time you go, maybe branch out a little bit. But get those spring rolls to make you and everybody around you better looking. Again, Bulldog Burger Company, the place for people in Stargill and now Tupelo, go to meet. M-E-A-T. Okay, Mississippi State loses another men's basketball game on Tuesday. Uh, It is an unfortunate undertaking for a few reasons. Number one, the first thing that I'll say I didn't give Mississippi State a lot of a chance of playing Alabama or Tennessee close. I, I really didn't. And that might be a little short-sighted on my behalf because, you know, listen, outside of the Ole Miss game, we've played really hard. We really have. No matter the level of competition, we've played really hard. And there's a lot of parity in the SEC this year. I don't know if we have a great team. I think Alabama's probably the closest to it. 
and we played them, uh, you know, within a couple possessions on their home floor over the weekend. And so that probably should have given us all a little confidence, but it's one of those things you look at and say, well, you know, how much more do they have left in the tank? When do these losses begin to mount and really, you know, take a toll uh, on these players? But if there has been any wear and tear, it didn't show on Tuesday night. Mississippi State very well should have and could have won the ball game. Now, you've heard me say it many times on the show, coaching wins and loses close ball games. It does. Tonight might be a bit of an outlier, though, because there were some other things that happened in the context of that game in the final couple of minutes uh, that really kind of gave Tennessee an advantage. And those are the things that happen, and you kind of scratch your head a little bit and think, you know, we we put all these protocols in to ensure fair play, and even though they're followed, we still feel like we got the short end of the stick. And so I'm not one that believes in blaming officials for outcomes of games very often. I know I've got a little bit of a pedigree with that. When officiating is bad, I don't mind calling that out. I do think men's basketball officiating has been better this year. I didn't feel like that was the case in the final few minutes tonight uh, in Knoxville. I think the officials made some mistakes there, and I think that's an important part of things is when there is a problem, you've got to address it. I think women's basketball officiating is absolutely horrendous. If you want to know, honestly, the worst officiating in all of sport is soccer officiating. It's pretty good up at the FIFA level and the international level, but uh, as far as like high school and, and rec league and travel team soccer and, and even college soccer, it, it's awful. It's absolutely awful. And uh, if you've ever coached a high school soccer game or played in one, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Nobody seems to understand the offsides rule. And I, I, don't, I don't get that, but I don't want to get on a tangent there. But men's basketball tonight, you know, played really, really well for a while. But, again, we couldn't close out a game. There's going to be some of that with a young team as these guys kind of learn to win. You know, Iverson Molinar is a very talented player, as is DJ Stewart. But in crunch time, late in ball games, you know, they got to learn to make shots. they got to find a way to go make a play. And uh, it doesn't seem that that's happening. They will be better for this experience. But let's kind of talk a little bit about this Tennessee game. You know, it's 26-23 at the half. And uh, there was a real stretch there where it looked like Tennessee might be able to pull away. And every time they did, State found a way to make a shot. State found a way to make a play. And people laugh and say, you know, Steve, I mean, come on, let's be honest, 23 points and a half. Listen, let me go ahead and prepare you guys for this. If you haven't learned six years into this thing with Ben Howland, we're not going to be an explosive offensive team. That's just not in his pedigree. It's not in his system. He was a guy that wants to kind of grind out games, win it at the line, uh, kind of push things defensively, kind of force people into transition baskets. But we are not a team that's going to get out and run. We're not a team that's going to attack the rim. We're a team that's going to get out there and just kind of grind things down on the shot clock and limit everybody else's possessions. We're not going to be an exciting offensive team. It doesn't matter who we have. We had three NBA players on the roster a couple of years ago. We were not an explosive offensive team. There were some times that we would kind of put some distance between us and some non-conference opponents, but that's just kind of who he is. We are not going to run an exciting brand of offense as long as Ben Howland is here. I don't say that to be critical of Ben. I say that to make sure that you understand it. That is just not who we are. That is not our identity as a basketball program. It doesn't matter who we recruit. It doesn't matter what, what sets we want to run. We are not a team that's going to get out and run and play flashy basketball. And when we play people that want to play that way, we really struggle. So far, though, we've done a good job in transition defense and kind of forcing people to run half-court sets, and that was the case against Tennessee. 
I think we really made them play our game. We just couldn't finish our game. So 26-23 at the break. And then it's a 30-30 second half. We play them all the way down to the final minute and lose by three, 56-53. Iverson Molinar, 24 points of action, 6 of 12 from the floor. That's actually better than, than Alabama. And uh, puts in 16 points. Does get three personal fouls. Uh, Got to get that assist to turnover ratio moving in the right direction. Just one assist and two turnovers. Uh, did pick up a steal. DJ Stewart again playing yeoman type minutes. 36 minutes. Not a great shooting night. Four of 13 from the floor. 0 of 2 from beyond the arc. 3 of 3 from the line. And again, free throws kind of reared its ugly head. We had a really good day shooting free throws against Alabama. Uh, pretty mediocre today. 16 of, uh, of 23. DJ just 11 points. The only two Bulldogs to score in double figures, but you didn't expect that, right? You didn't expect four or five guys to be in double figures when we pitch in 53 points. Abdul will do 32 minutes of action, two of five from the floor. Really thought he played with some real energy and gave Tennessee a lot of trouble on the defensive end. Also pulled down 12 rebounds, just the one foul. Learning to play without fouling. That was a real challenge for Abdul early in his career. I think he's a lot more polished of a prospect on the defensive end. I also want to share this with you, too, because I always see this angst on um, on the Facebook groups and on social media. Listen, Abdul Adu is never going to be a polished offensive player. I mean, it's just not within him. It's just not who he is. Listen, we're going to bounce it down there. And there are a lot of times that I've said, you know, once we throw that entry pass down there to him, it's basically a turnover. He might fumble out of bounds. He may get up an ill-advised shot. And in some situations, he gets a shot blocked or he just misses. We're just not going to be able to run a lot of offense through him. That doesn't mean that he's not a valuable member of the team. He's one of the best post defenders in the country. He is a guy that alters a lot of shots. He forces a lot of rush shots. People really struggle to shoot the basketball over him. And when those guards kind of penetrate the lane and they're trying to hit a little runner or something like that, you know, he makes them kind of alter their shot. And so, you know, that's not part of our offensive game plan to think we're going to go down there. It's not like the Charles Rhodes days or the Lawrence Roberts days where if they could set up low in the blocks, we could just throw it down low to them on an entry pass, and it was an automatic two points or worst-case scenario, we're going to the line. That's just not who he is. Uh, Tolu Smith had some big moments tonight on the boards, did not do much scoring-wise, 24 minutes of action, 0, of, 0 for 3 from the floor, 5 of 6 from the line. It's actually an improvement for him. But we've got to have that big guy down low. If we're going to play and bang down low and run the Twin Towers, this is a guy that's going to have to put the ball in the basket just to five points tonight. I really thought, you know, the guy that really played well for us was uh, Quentin Post. We ran him and Abdul out there at the same time, just 16 minutes, but uh, two of four from the floor, knocked down a big three again, pulled down 10 rebounds just to five points. But we're beginning to kind of get a sense of how Quentin can help us I like the way we ran it. When we can force them to kind of run some half-court sets, you know, we're going to have an advantage on, on the boards whenever they miss their shots. And so Cameron Matthews uh, gets the start tonight. His most extensive uh, outing as a Bulldog, 32 minutes of action, just one of three from the floor, missed a three, two of five from the line, pulls down a couple of boards. So he played a lot and was really active on the defensive end, did not contribute much uh, offensively. Jalen Johnson, who we started against Alabama, uh, pretty far down in the rotation tonight, just gets uh, eight minutes of action. Javian Davis just gets five. And that's one of the things, too, you look at, too. We've talked so much about recruiting over the years. You know, you go out and you get a, a transfer from Alabama. He's ruled immediately eligible. And I, I don't know if the problem lies with him 
or if the problem just simply lies in a disconnect between he and the team and or the staff. But we go out and get a transfer in Javian Davis, and uh, he's not playing much at all. Uh, you, you recall he missed, uh, I guess, three games, came back, played limited minutes, and uh, you know plays five minutes a night, doesn't score a basket, just, you know, and then, and then commits a turnover, gets a couple personal fouls. Don't know what's going on there, but uh, Ben, we got to get that fixed. You know, we got to get that fixed. We got to get more of a contribution. We can't go out and get a transfer and then have him go scoreless. I mean, that, that's just not. I'm not trying to tell anybody how to run the team, but when you go get those guys, especially when you consider what we lost, four starters, not to mention a handful of transfers. On top of that, you're rebuilding the roster. You got to get a contribution out of everybody, especially considering how young we are. Uh, as a team. Uh, so that's your Bulldog run, uh, run down there. Devion Smith, 23 minutes as well, and uh, put in six points. We've got to find a third scoring option. It, there's no other way around it, especially if uh, if we're going to be this anemic on offense. We've got to have somebody. Uh, Pons goes for 13 for them, and he was a guy that kind of gave us some trouble last year. We got him in some foul trouble tonight. He eventually fouls out of the ball game. And so that's one of the reasons I think we were so successful down low. And you look at the rebounding numbers uh, between the two teams. State pulls down 42 rebounds, Tennessee just 30. Okay, that's 12 extra possessions, and then you end up losing by one. You know, we've got to make some adjustments offensively. Uh, looking at a three-point uh, shooting here, Mississippi State, three of 13 uh, on the night, 23%. Tennessee, not much better, or not better at all, 3 of 19. Uh, Tennessee, Tennessee shoots 37% from the floor in their home gym. We shoot 32%. Free throw shooting for us, 69.6%, and then they're at 72. So you say, you know, it's not a big difference there, but but it's enough. In, in a one-possession ball game, those free throws matter. They're 13 of 18 from the line. We're 16 of 23. So we're getting there with greater regularity but we're not making our shots. And free throws is coaching. Okay, and again, I'm not trying to throw this on Ben Howen, but this is what you do. This is what you do in offseason. I mean, how, how many free throws do you think those guys shoot? Do we need to go hire a free throw coach? I don't know. I know this. I know that Freddie Robertson, my dad, uh, is the guy that taught me to shoot free throws and uh, taught my brother to shoot free throws. My brother actually played college basketball and uh, made 94 out of 100 one time in a in a in a basketball deal in a drill 94 out of 100 and finished second on the team to a guy that hit 99 out of 100 and missed number 100 my sister reagan went to the state championship free throw shooting contest and finished second to a player that was about a foot taller so if my dad can get out there in the driveway and teach his kids how to consistently uh, make free throws uh, surely we can find somebody on a college level uh, that can get better results than we're getting right now. And I said I wasn't going to be negative, but I have been a little bit. So we lose the ball game, and uh, it kind of came down to some things in the end that were very controversial. A lot of discussion about a missed shot clock violation. The first thing that I'll say is Bulldog basketball players, you got to play to hear the whistle. you got to play. How many times do we see somebody get off a shot right at the, at the buzzer when the shot clock's winding down and the horn sounds, but the action continues, you got to play until you hear the whistle. You can't just assume it's a shot clock violation. Well, we did, and they get an offensive rebound and then get the basket. And um, it goes from being a two-point game to a four-point game with 2.31 to go. They're up 50-48. to 48. Jaden Springer 
apparently did not get the shot off. We stop. They get an offensive rebound and then go up 52-48. Ben Howen said after the game, it was not out of his hands. That was a huge play. I was sitting next to uh, MSU Sports Information Director. That's Josh uh, Lively. I guess, no, I guess it's not. No, it's, um, hang on a second. I want to make sure I get this right. It's Matt, Matt, Matt. Um, but here's the deal, too, I'll, I'll say about that is, you know, we got, we got to move on. It, it, it's not one of those things where, you know, they're going to review it at that point. They do later in the ball game, And then later uh, we've got to deal with Iverson Molinar with just 43 seconds to go, and he goes up. Lays it up and in. They originally call it a goaltend. Well, it didn't, it didn't go in. Uh, but off the glass there, they block it. Now, I will say this. From what I saw on TV, I don't think he took it off the glass. I think he blocked it. Now, you could argue perhaps he's above the cylinder or whatever, and I don't know what the rules are on that these days. But they do review the call, and they take the basket off the board. That could have been huge for State down the stretch. And so you think there in the final two minutes – you have a shot clock violation that is missed. You stop playing. They score. That's a basket. You have the goaltending call that is reversed. That's a basket. That's a four-point swing in a three-point game, right? They get two. We lose two. And then we lose by three. And those are the things you look at over the course of a ball game, and you say, you know what, Steve, it shouldn't have come down to that. And you know what, you're absolutely right. It should never come down to one play. It should never come down to one shot. It should never come down to one call. But sometimes it does. Sometimes it does. It shouldn't, but in this case it did. Now you could argue, you know what, Mississippi State shouldn't have even been in this basketball game in the first place because Tennessee's a better team. You could make that argument. But it's a good thing that the Bulldogs didn't subscribe to that line of thinking. They went out there and played well, and for a while there I thought we might pull this thing off. Now we dropped to 9-8, and eight, and I don't understand – a lot of this angst on the message boards and that sort of stuff. Were you really expecting to win this game? I mean, honestly. I mean, let's be honest with ourselves. Were you really expecting to win? When, as soon as this game came up on the schedule, when the schedule was released, that we were going to Knoxville and playing at Thompson Bowling Arena against Tennessee, who was projected to be one of the top teams in the SEC, I said, okay, that's a loss. And there hasn't been anything in the last you know, couple of weeks that would suggest to me that we're going to go beat Tennessee. And so we all kind of accept the fact that we're going to go lose that ball game, and then we do, and then we freak out about it. I, that, that part of it is kind of interesting to me. If we know we're going to lose, why, why such the emotional reaction? And so I, I know a lot of it's because you love Mississippi State. You know, and you're like, you know what, we were in this thing. We didn't expect to be. We had a chance to win, and uh, we didn't make the calls down the stretch to win the ball game. Uh, I'll, I'll suggest to you that those missed baskets in the first half – you know, we, we had some shots down low, and we, we, we kind of ruined some possessions through our own ineptitude. Those baskets were pretty big, too. And so, let's say you make a couple of those in the first half, and all of a sudden, you know, you know you're right there with a, a one-point uh, halftime lead, and it's a, it changes the complexity of the ball game in the second half. That's the thing is all of those misses look even bigger when you lose by a narrow margin like this. And so I'm proud of the effort, but I, listen, I'm not one that subscribes to moral victories. We're paying uh, Ben Howland a lot of money to go win football, basketball games. And, um, you know, we're 9-8 and eight and 4-5 and five in the SEC. Now, we have Iowa State coming to Humphrey Coliseum this week, and I expect to win that ball game. I think all of you do. Uh, 
and then we'll see what happens. Because you know, we're kind of through the meat of the schedule right now. There are some winnable games coming up in the conference. If we continue to play with the same level of effort, I think we're going to win some games. But we have got to find a way to close out ball games, And that, that's one thing that we have really, really struggled with. We have had a very difficult time. And that boils down to guard play. And as good as those young guys are and as good as they're going to be, they're still learning to win down the stretch. You know, we don't have Quindary Witherspoon here. We don't have Tyson Carter here. That's the thing about Tyson Carter. You can say what you want to about how skinny that kid was, but he was tough, man. He was absolutely tough. He didn't mind taking the tough shot. He understood what it took to win, and he would go out there and give you everything he had. I don't know that we have that yet. I don't know if we have that guy late in the ballgame who's like, I want the basketball. Iowa State comes in a star goal with a 2-8 and eight record. Let me see if they play anybody else this week before they get here. Uh, let's see. Yeah, no, they had some games postponed uh, here lately, but they're two and eight. Uh, they lose Monday night uh, at home to Oklahoma State, eighty-one to sixty. So, looking at their numbers here, they have not won a ball game in an awfully long time. They beat Jackson State back on December the twentieth, sixty to forty-five, and their only other win uh, came way back in December second against the Jackrabbits of South Dakota State. Excuse me, they, played, they beat Arkansas Pine Bluff. They lost to South Dakota State. So they have won uh, two games overall, one in November, one in December, and have had several games postponed in the Big 12. Uh, matter of fact, four of their last five games are postponed. And so we will see them Saturday, 5 p.m. on ESPN2. We better win that one. <laughs> we absolutely better win that one. Because uh, we go right back on the road next Tuesday at Arkansas. Arkansas, again, kind of up and down this year. And then we're on the road at South Carolina. So no chance to see the Bulldogs in action next week in Humphrey Coliseum. Even though that's a limited attendance, there are a lot of you that enjoy going. I don't really know what to expect at this point, you know, from, from Arkansas. You know, anytime that we've been to Bell Walton Arena for years and years and years, it was an automatic loss. And then we've had a pretty good run there. But this Arkansas team, I don't know how good they are. They are 12-4 and overall and 10-1 and in Bud Walton. Not sure what to expect from them. I, don't, I think they're a good team, but I don't know if they're a great team. They will play Ole Miss tomorrow night uh, in Fayetteville and then on the road at Oklahoma State on Saturday. So a couple of interesting ball games to come up, and Ole Miss is playing you know, pretty good. Ole Miss is pretty relentless on defense. They kind of get in your legs a little bit. So uh, so we'll see how that, that kind of progresses. South Carolina, of course, hadn't played a whole lot of basketball. You know, they've had some games that have been postponed, and um, – you know, kind of is what it is. But, uh, you know, I don't want to belabor the point, and I don't want to sit here and just shoot bullets at Ben Howen. You know, at the end of the day, some of these players have got to step up and go make plays. But at the end of the day, it is Ben Howen's responsibility to get this, this basketball program moving in the right direction. I understand, and we all expected this to be a rebuilding year, and there are times that we have been above expectations. There are times that like we were ahead of schedule. And that's what makes these losses that much more painful. It's like you think, you know what, we're one player away. We're one guy kind of growing up a little bit, making a play here. That's why I think, you know what, I think you give him next year. And I'll keep saying that until I think the team has quit on him. And they have clearly not quit. And so when you think about what we've lost, and again, you take take a step back, take a deep breath. I don't know that anybody's been harder on Ben Howland in the media than me. But I'm telling you, 
I think the last two ball games, the fact that we have had our team ready to play in hostile environments against two ranked opponents, and we have taken that game down to the final minute, says a little bit about Ben Howland's coaching. It does. We're not, we're not going up there just to play the game. We're going up there expecting to win the game. And we have not proven to have the wherewithal to go win those games. But I think that comes with experience. I think as Molinar and DJ kind of learn to, to perform in those clutch moments, we're going to win some of those games. And it shouldn't all fall to them. There were times late in that ball game, you know, Tennessee uh, throws up a shot late and we can't get the rebound. Ball bounces off of us. They get an offensive rebound and we end up having a foul. You know, we get our hands on a basketball there. We got a chance to go run a play and maybe make a shot. Now, we've, we've shown a couple times this year that we don't really excel in those situations. We get a chance to kind of set it up in the framework of the offense to get, try to get off a last-second shot to tie or take the lead. Uh, we kind of struggle to even get the shot off. But, again, I don't want to belabor the point. I really think that the, uh, the Bulldogs played well. Maybe, maybe that's not accurate. Maybe we didn't play well. We played hard. We played hard, and in some stretches we played well. But we are a competitive basketball team. We are not a bad team. You know, bad teams go to Alabama and go to Tennessee and get beat by 20 and 30. That's what bad teams do. We're not a bad team. We're just not a good team yet. We had not figured out how to be good yet. And so hopefully over the course of the rest of the season, we can figure some of those things out. And, again, I, I know how bad it stinks you know, we're fourth in the SEC, and the next thing you know, we're, on, we're in the middle of a four-game losing streak, right? I mean, that's, that's kind of how this thing looks. And it stinks because we all love Mississippi State. We want State to do well. We want Mississippi State to be competitive on all fields of courts of play. And, and let's not read people to say, I don't understand why our administration doesn't understand. Do you really think we're going to fire Ben Howe in the middle of the year? I mean, that's not the Mississippi State way. I mean, the Andy Cannizzaro thing was, a, you know, a horse of a completely different color. You know, we're not winning enough. But think about the message that would send, okay, you lose four starters and, what, three transfers on top of that. You have to completely rebuild your roster. And then you go play two top 20 opponents to within a possession or two in their home gym, and we got to fire you. And you can say, well, see, it's not that simple. Well, no, it's not that simple. You know, when you look at the totality of things, that's why I think you wait and you get to the end of the year before you make any rash decisions because there are some winnable games down the stretch. You know, what if we get into a situation here? We've talked about, you know, we've gotten you know, kind of the, uh, you know, the tough games behind us. What if we get a couple of wins here uh, in the next couple of weeks? Right? Next thing you know, we put a couple of wins up there, and then we get into that final stretch there. And uh, let's say we go to Auburn and beat them. Let's say we go to Ole Miss and beat them. What if we sweep South Carolina? And then we get Alabama back in Starkville, and uh, we've learned a little bit from that. Perhaps, uh, you know, that game's competitive. But, uh, you know, what if we go 500 down a stretch? What then? We got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, what, nine games left? What if we go five and four, or even four and five down the stretch, and we end up with a 500 record this year, considering all that we've lost? Eight and ten in the league, it's not going to get you anywhere. But let's say you go thirteen and thirteen, you avoid the losing season, and uh, you're right at you know five hundred in the league, 
considering all that, would if you if you had been told at the beginning of the year, you know what, we're gonna we're gonna be around five hundred. And hey, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna close to out the regular season uh, on a bit of a run. Would you have taken that? You'd say, yeah, I think so. I think so. And we're playing our best basketball at the end of the year that gives us something to build on kind of moving forward. Yeah, I probably would take that. And so, again, there have been times I've gotten on this show and I've gotten on our message boards and, and I've said some things and I've been critical. And you know what? I'm in every one of them. But I think based on the effort that I have seen from this team and from this coaching staff in the last couple of ball games, even in losses, I think we've made some progress. And again, I'm not a moral victories guy. You played the game to win. We're not winning the way we want to. But we're probably playing about as we expected to play. I think in the end, you're going to look at this, and you're going to say, you know what, this is about what I expected. Maybe it didn't go the way I thought it would go, but this is about what I expected. That's the thing you look at, too, when you're struggling like this. If you find a way to beat Ole Miss at home, you go down there and you take that game away from them, and that's going to be a difficult chore because we, we for some reason we cannot – cannot move the basketball against the 1-3-1. We just can't do it. We just don't, you know, for some reason it just boggles the mind. But I think at least for today, let's take a deep breath and kind of back away a little bit and say, listen, hey, we went up there, went toe-to-toe with a top-20 team in their own gym, back-to-back road games, and, uh, you know, we actually acquitted ourselves pretty well. We've played the top two teams in our league the past two ball games and uh, played ourselves into pretty good ch- – stretch down the stretch down the stretch situation down the stretch excuse me uh, and put ourselves in a chance to win that basketball game we just couldn't make the shot and, and again let's face it friends we live in uncertain times security probably more important now than ever before that's why it's important to keep you your family your property safe by working with my friends at eufy that's e-u-f-y.com let me tell you a little bit about this new video smart lock they have It's super cool because basically you get a three-in-one security system here. You can have everything on just one device instead of having it outside of your house look rather tacky because you got all kinds of stuff out there. It's not just about your security, but convenience. No more concerns about losing keys. You can assign passwords to your family members, and you can see who's kind of coming and going. Got that immigrated camera, too. Uh, It's easy to install. You can set it up with just a Phillips screwdriver. You know, you don't have to go to a class on how to use power tools. No drilling required. You get keyless entry. You don't have to worry about fumbling with the keys when you're getting back with a, an armful of groceries, right? How convenient is that? That in and of itself is a great benefit. You get fingerprint recognition. It's unlocking. And that AI self-learning chip. So the more you use it, the more accurate it's going to be. You don't have to worry about the battery. It's got a rechargeable battery that can last around four months. And you get a notification before it runs out, so you don't have to compromise your family security. You got passcode unlocking, remote control, 2K clear sight camera. You can see who's at your door. You see these videos online all the time. Don't you think it's time for you to set something up so you can have the peace of mind of knowing that you don't have people constantly going in and out of your property? There's no monthly fee. Unlike other brands that charge you a monthly fee, you can have your recordings locally and never have to pay for storage. How cool is that? It's convenient, it's safe, it's a must-have for your home today. If you already have like a video doorbell, you know sometimes people want to come and steal your, your doorbell. You don't have to worry about with, that with this. All right, so let's be sure to visit Eufy Video Lock. That's E-U-F-Y official.com forward slash video lock. And it's time for you to gain control of your door.
Again, that's Eufy. E-U-F-Y. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. A lot of that boils down to inexperience. All right, today's top ten list. We're going country today, too. We're going country today. Yeah, Roy tells me you guys aren't real big fans of the Doors. We had, we had, we had a decent showing, but not what we normally do. I guess you guys, you know, I, I told you guys I was kind of late to the Doors train myself. And uh, apparently you guys are not big Doors fans. We did okay. We've had some do better. Had a lot of them do much better. Uh, Sticks did about four times better. Sticks now a top three on our list. You guys love Sticks. And I know it's because of Renegade, right? So it looks like the wheelhouse here is country and then Eddie's Rock. We've done some R&B stuff. That's been fun, too. Hadn't been quite as successful on Spotify as some other stuff. But today we're going to do some country, and we're going to do a country music legend. Sadly, we lost him last year, but it's Kenny Rogers. We're going to do Kenny Rogers today. I remember when I was a kid, man, Kenny Rogers was so cool to me. You know, we had those white suits, that raspy voice, that little silver white hair, and it seemed like, you know, it seemed like all the ladies loved him. I mean, even the young ladies thought he was attractive and a sexy man. I never aspired to look like Kenny Rogers, but I understand that Kenny Rogers kind of made that groom beard thing kind of cool, you know? So we're doing Kenny Rogers today. Through the years, didn't make the list. It's really close. Didn't make the list. But here's my top 10 Kenny Rogers songs. And I don't know if you ever, you probably never expected to hear me say that. You see the dreads on tattoos, the sunglasses, leather jacket. You think, that guy's a Kenny Rogers guy. I got to see Kenny Rogers perform at the Dixie National Rodeo when I was a kid. Wore my, uh, my chaps, my cowboy hat, and my vest to the rodeo. Just in, just in case one of the rodeo clowns uh, kind of backed out of there, I was ready to go and kind of get in the way of that bull. But you know what? If any of those uh, you know, bareback riders or bull riders would have uh, come up lame, I was ready to go, man. Had my spurs on, everything. I mean, you know how it is when you're a kid, man. It's like, you know, you go to a ball game, you put on a jersey. I went to the rodeo, dressed like a cowboy. That's right. And you did, too. And if you didn't, you were jealous of the kids that did. Go ahead and admit it. You can still do it. You can still dress as a cowboy and go. Many of you dress like cowboys now, and it's kind of weird. A lot of you guys claim to be cowboys, but I love the old expression, and, you know, it's all hat and no cattle. You know what I'm saying? There's a bunch of you guys out there, and you get those bedazzled jeans, and you get that little shirt on, and you walk around in your $600 boots and stuff, and I, I guess there's some women that find that attractive. I think it's a little bit lame. I mean, it's just me. You do what you want to do. Far be it for me to judge anybody for how they look and dress, but uh, you, know, you didn't know you were going to get that from me today. So let's talk Kenny Rogers. Number 10. Man, an oldie but a goodie, man. Ruby, don't take your love to town. Man, it's a great song. And, and that's Kenny Rogers talks a lot about, you know, getting left by a woman and that sort of stuff. It was kind of that hard time in country, right? It's not like it is today, you know, where everybody has a spray tan and, a you know, a, a shell necklace and that sort of stuff and straw hat and that sort of 
crap. Number nine, She Believes in Me. It's a great tune. A lot of relationship type music with Kenny. Number eight, Don't Fall in Love with a Dreamer. They'll hurt you every time. And I'm a dreamer. I broke a few hearts over the years. Might break a few more before I'm done. But that's the thing about being a dreamer, man. You know, we don't work the nine to five. We don't get out there and do the grind. You're always looking for the big score, right? Number seven, you decorated my life. Another one of those songs, uh, you know, guy being appreciative of, uh, of his lover. Changed everything. Number six, from the motion picture soundtrack, Six Pack. Great, great movie. You know, Kenny Rogers starred in that as a, uh, you know, as a dirt track driver. And uh, eventually, uh, you know, worked his way up and was on the circuit there. I guess he did some Winston Cup stuff back when it was called the Winston Cup thing. But his crew was a bunch of kids he ended up adopting. And the, the, the theme song from that is Turn This Love Around, man. It's a great song. Even if you didn't see the movie, you should see the movie. Some of it's kind of irreverent and appropriate these days. You, you could get away with things in the 70s and 80s you can't get away with today. You know, it's back before everybody became so sensitive. But The Six Pack was a great movie. And uh, Turn This Love Around, man. A great tune. Even if you didn't see the movie, you, you'll enjoy that song. Number five, probably the best ballad of the Kenny Rogers catalog. And I can see him right now with the spotlight on him and the Grand Ole Opry. And he's got that white suit on. And he's got uh, two or three buttons unbuttoned on that butterfly collar shirt. You know what I'm talking about. He's got those chains on, lights hitting him. All the, all the ladies out there going crazy. But the song is Lady. Because Kenny's your uh, knight in shining armor and he loves you. And I do too. I love you too. Number four. And I remember being at Dixie National Rodeo singing this song to the top of my lungs, man. Like I knew what I was singing about. But you picked a fine time to leave me, Lucille, with 400 kids and the crops in the field. Like I knew anything about that, but I thought it was a fantastic song as a kid. Still, still kind of takes me back. You know, there are some songs you listen to and they just kind of transform you like a time machine. That's one of them for me. Reminds me of my Uncle Warren. My Uncle Warren's had a rough stretch here the last few years. And uh, those memories that we made together when I was a kid, he was my favorite uncle. Still is my favorite uncle. You know, played guitar, that sort of stuff. Drove a, a, a Ford T-Bird with T-tops. He was the coolest thing going, man. And uh, he was a uh, he was a guy that always made it a point when, when my grandmother. That was a treat for us, man. When I was a kid, man, we were as broke as the Ten Commandments. I mean, we were. I lived with my grandparents, and you know, like my uncle Warren and my aunt Kathy were still at home. They went to high school, and uh, so I was kind of like a, even though they were my uncles my uncle and aunt they were like brother and sister to me and they still are you know they're just older than me and not that much older but man we were so broke and uh, my grandfather was a minister and a carpenter and uh you know sometimes we were so broke he'd have to go pick up a shift at angle shipyard just so we could eat you know we just didn't have much but every year my grandmother made sure we got to go to the rodeo Every year we went to Jackson, to the rodeo. It was the biggest thing that happened the entire year. I think the only thing that compared is when the Wizard of Oz came on TV. That's like the only two things all year long. Those are two things that I could always count on happening. And as a kid, when you don't have anything and you get a chance to get in the car and you go to Jackson, because anything beyond Jackson to me as a kid felt like a foreign country. You know, it just really did. And so my uncle was the one that would look at the schedule and pick out the bands we're going to go see. 
We saw the Statler brothers. We saw the Oak Ridge boys. We saw Dolly Parton. We saw Charlene Tilton. We saw Alabama. And uh, I'm very grateful for those memories today. Number three, a song originally written by the Bee Gees. And some of you hate on the Bee Gees, and you're lame too. If you haven't watched that Bee Gees documentary, How, uh, How Can You Mend a Broken Heart, it is absolutely fabulous. I've probably watched it five times now. It is fabulous. In fact, before I recorded this show, I probably listened to Fanny Be Tender With My Love three or four times on YouTube. I love the Bee Gees, man. I do. And, uh, I mean, think about this. How talented do you have to be to create your own genre of music? And a lot of people kind of lump them in with disco. But think about how powerful they had to be. That they caused such a cosmic shift within the record industry that all of a sudden everybody had to do a disco record. Even Kiss did a disco record, right? It's crazy. This song is a duet sung with Dolly Parton. It's Islands in the Stream. That is what we are. It is a beautiful, beautiful love song. Sold over 20 million copies. That is incredible to think about. 20 million copies. Written by the Bee Gees after everybody kind of given up on them. And then uh, Robin and Barry and Maurice decided to be songwriters more so than performers because they couldn't get on the radio. So they began to write for other people. And this was a huge, huge hit. I mean, I remember being a kid, waking up in the morning. My mom always had the stereo on. And uh, we listened to WFFF in, uh, in Columbia, Mississippi. And uh, it seemed when this was song was released, I mean, I bet they played this every morning for a year. Number two, a song about, uh, you know, kind of becoming a man. It's Coward of the County. Because sometimes you got to fight when you're a man. And, and I love the songs that tell a story. And Kenny was kind of a balladeer in that respect. He could write a song that told a story. This is one of them. Coward of the County. If you don't know it, go check it out. It's a really, really cool song. But the number one Kenny Rogers song is another one that tells a story, right? We all know it, and to me, there is nothing close. It's the gambler, because you got to know when to hold them and know when to fold them, know when to walk away, know when to run. Everybody knows that line, and how cool is that to think that all these years later, that that line is so recognizable? Even now, and I mean, it's like just part of the vernacular of our American experience Everybody knows that song. And how cool is it to think that you're so talented that you can write a song like that, that people from all walks of life, from all races, from all socioeconomic backgrounds, and everybody knows that song, and most people love it. How cool is that? It's incredible. Kenny Rogers, thank you for your contributions to the soundtrack of my life. So glad I got to see you perform at your peak. And uh, God rest your soul and, uh, and bless your family if we move forward. That's today's top 10 list. If you have ideas for the top 10 list, reach out and let me know. I might just use them. I've got some people that, that they'll send me a list, and I've already got a list, so I'll find it on Spotify and send it to you. So if you got those requests, I'll do that too. But uh, Roy and I have been kicking some things around, and uh, you, know, you guys really responded well to that Trevor and Wilberry's tree. We'll probably do some of that stuff again too, not the Wilberry's, but we'll do some other bands that uh, have had some side projects and things like that. But uh, – I enjoy your feedback, and I would say 99% of it is very positive. Every so often I get one, hey, Steve, I don't like the top 10 list. Well, that's why God made a fast-forward button. Um, But also, too, there's so many of you that say, you know what, I love this because there's so many of those songs I have forgotten, and I've added them to my iTunes list or I've added them to my Spotify. And so thank you for that. And so thank you for making this more of an interactive show. So, again, if you have ideas, reach out let me know. I'm on all forms of social media at ScoutSteveR. 
Speaking of people that uh, can take care of you, Campus Bookmart, man, I love those folks there. They're like family to me. Every time I go in there, they make me feel like a bigger deal than I am. You know, because and it's not because of me. It's because of them. It's because of the quality of people they are. They're always happy to see you darken their door. Stand to man, Miss Kathy Brown, the lovely, talented Susie. My goodness, she is absolutely lovely. Trust me. You go by and see her. She's great. They live in Starkville. So don't be hitting her up on her DMs or anything. But uh, Susie is outstanding. And that Campus Bookmart experience is also outstanding. If you can't make it to town to meet them, visit them on the World Wide Web at campusbookmart.net. And by being a loyal Boneyard listener, we'll give you a phrase that pays. That is BSR, which stands for Beautiful Steve Robertson. And that'll get you free shipping on all orders over $50. Any order less than $50, absolutely incomplete. Again, that's campusbookmart.net, promo code BSR. So I got some team news for you guys, too. Talk to a couple people, too. Everybody's always curious about, hey, what's going on with workouts? And one of the things that I have heard for years is the greatest gains that players make are in those couple of months after the season. You know, when they're not playing, they kind of get out of the, the, the practice routine. They allow their bodies to heal a little bit, and they get into the weight room and really commit themselves to getting bigger and stronger. I am told some of the guys that are kind of leading the charge in that are your defensive linemen, and that is music to the bulldog ear. You know, you know what we lost at Sheward, Kobe Jones, and Marquis Spencer. You know what kind of players they were. Listen, they weren't dominant players, but those guys really competed hard for Mississippi State. There's not a lot of depth behind them. And so that's one of the reasons we address defensive ends as extensively as we have in this class, expecting to sign four. But I'm told that Cam Young and Jaden Crumity look outstanding, absolutely outstanding in the middle there. They tell me Cam Young's running about 315 right now, and he's not – you know, some big tubble art or something like that. He is muscled up. Jaden Crumberty, tell me, looks better than he has at any point in his career at Mississippi State. You remember we signed him as a defensive end, and then he showed up about 30 pounds heavier than he was when we signed him. He really put on some weight. He got into the Mississippi State strength and conditioning book, really committed himself to that, uh, ate his protein, and then showed up on campus and slid inside. And, uh, a lot of people expected Nathan Pickering to be the guy last year, and then Jaden Crumity wins that battle. And I remember when I first mentioned that on a Jeans Page message board, people were like, what about Pickering? Well, there's nothing wrong with Pickering. This goes to show you what a good job Jaden Crumity has done. Nathan Pickering is an outstanding football player. Uh, he's just not at this point at the same level of Jaden Crumity, even if they came in in the same class. Jaden is a guy that's a little bit, he's kind of, I guess you could say kind of re- rebuilt his physique a little bit. And so Nathan, you know, loses a little bit this year, of course, by being out. But I understand he's looking good, too. But the guy that everybody kind of points out to and says, you know what, Steve, this is a guy, too, that a lot of Bulldog fans have kind of forgotten about. And he looks like a big-time player. It's DeMonte Russell. Last time you guys saw him, he's up there throwing chicken wings in the uh, Armed Forces Bowl melee postgame. Probably miss game one next year. But people tell me. He is going to be good to go. You know, we set out last year with a medical issue, and um, that was that was a very sad undertaking. You know, people forget DeMonte and J.P. Purvis were in a very, very serious accident that nearly killed somebody. And both of them uh, were banged up pretty good. Nobody escaped that thing unscathed. And so it's taken a long time for those guys to recover and kind of get back into SEC football playing shape. 
It's one thing to walk to class. It's another thing to have to get out there and go chase around four- and five-star players. But they tell me DeMonte Russell has really committed himself to getting bigger and stronger and that he looks great, he's working out hard, and that he should be good to go. They'll be careful with him in the spring, but I'm told he should be full go by the time we get into the season uh, in uh, September. I'm excited about that. You should be as well. And we're going to find out tomorrow what our SEC football schedule looks like. Well, I guess today uh, we'll still have some non-conference things to kind of plug in there, but uh, we're going to have an idea of what we're looking at. I think it's good to strike while the iron is hot. Another guy that's been mentioned to me is a guy that's uh, you know, to really watch is a pass rusher, Jordan Davis. You know, towards the end of the year, he played some at defensive end, played with some with his hand in the ground. I like the move because I think it puts a quick twitch guy closer to the quarterback. And I think he's the guy that's really going to give tackles some trouble. Now, it's a little different deal when he has to line up at a five technique and really kind of take on a tackle. It's another thing to be out there on third and, you know, third and 15. It's a seven technique where you're just basically trying to get a speed rush on and just fly by somebody and uh, have the quarterback step up in the pressure. But uh, Jordan Davis, I understand, too, has really taken uh, some steps forward. So I'm eager to see what the team looks like when we get on the field in the spring. Now, I'm told there is a real possibility that we're going to be able to observe some practice. That's going to, of course, depend on the COVID guidelines. But I'm told that Mike Leach likes to have some open practices. That's not for you guys, but for the media. We'd love to be able to go to get some pictures and that sort of stuff and kind of have some personal observations. I prefer that rather than all this word-of-mouth stuff anyway. I've been burned by that so many times. I can't count the times that I've read a report, you know, some second-hand report about a practice, and then all of a sudden I'll talk to one of our coaches, and like, I can't even practice. You know, and so I, I just – I would rather go watch for myself. And so my hope is is that the guidelines and Mike Leach will, will permit that to happen so we can get out there and get you guys some, you know, some very serious and update information. I'm excited about Bulldog football. I mean, I really am. And uh, one of the things that I've heard, too, is like our newcomers, guys that showed up on campus, you know, guys like Carson Williams and Albert Reese and those guys, they have shown up and they're better than advertised. And think about that for a second. You know, when those guys checked in to the uh, the SEAL Junior Complex to go uh, meet their coaches, for many of them, it's the first time they ever saw them face-to-face outside of a Zoom call. And so when Mason Miller walked out there and he had four offensive linemen in the lobby, there were four guys that he got to see how tall and long they were for the first time in person. And that's just how weird the year has been, right? It's really weird. But I'm told these new guys have come in ready to go. Makai Polk has come in. Uh, and, and listen, I talked to Jason Washington a couple days ago, really fired up about getting Jalen Green here. And I said, you know, what, what's it been like? He said, well, I'm just trying to make sure he knows where to go. i got to make sure he knows where to be. You know, it's it's just it's day one. You know, we got to figure this thing out, but we'll get it we'll get it taken care of. But uh, also, too, Mississippi State beats out several big time schools to get him because of that relationship with Jason Washington. Let's talk a little recruiting. This segment of the show brought to you by Portico. You guys know this already. If you if you're familiar with the show, you know that Brooks Bryan, former Diamond Dog, former Diamond Dog outfielder, former Bulldog baseball hero Brooks Bryan, is involved with Portico. I don't know about you guys, but I try to do business with Bulldogs whenever I can. I trust Mississippi State people just a little bit more. Okay, I'm not a person that trusts easily anyway, but if I see you got a Bulldog bumper sticker or I see you got that Mississippi State license plate, I'm probably a little more inclined to give you the benefit of the doubt. You can certainly give Brooks the benefit of the doubt because he is invested in our community here. 
He is part of this development that uh, is bringing a great residential complex to Greater Starkville. It's just 1.1 miles from campus, easy access on Highway 82 and uh, 25. You guys should know this by now. It's located off Garrett Road, just behind the Hilton Garden Inn and the Cryford Jeep dealership. It's going to be 51 houses total in the complex, so it's going to be a pretty big development, but not one where you're on top of each other. 18 houses are already in the first phase of construction, nearing completion. 33 other houses will be built later this year. Houses will range in size from 1,300 to 2,000 square feet, and two-bedroom, two-bath, up to four-bedroom, four-bath. Portico includes a walking trail and a pavilion area. Give Brooks a call for more information at 601-416-8075. Again, that is 601-416-8075. You can even talk to him about him robbing that home run against Washington and the regional that sent us to Omaha. Chances are you won't have to bring it up in order for it to be discussed. Okay, let's talk a little recruiting. I am concerned about C.J. Johnson and Mississippi State's prospects of signing him. I continue to hear that Northwestern and Duke are very, very much in the mix here. Uh, he has taken a trip to Duke. He's taken a trip to Northwestern State, Northwestern, uh, planning to get out. He's been at TCU, planning to get out and go see Vanderbilt. And so I, I guess it's one of those things, maybe I've kind of worried myself into a state of anxiety here because I think a lifelong Bulldog fan probably would have wanted to commit early and kind of help finish out the class and you can say well Steve there's only a handful of spots left how much could he help I just feel like you know a guy that grew up rooting for Chris Ralph a guy that had his picture taken with Dak Prescott and uh, has a picture standing next to Richie Brown holding the golden egg trophy uh, had his picture taken uh, uh, with Martha you know in the women's basketball Martha Awal you know it's like I see all these pictures and I think okay this is what my kids have done right my children that have grown up in a Mississippi State household you know they've met Dak Prescott they've met Dylan Day you know they were it was a big deal for them to meet Tory Day it was a big deal for them to meet Jake Mangum you know know, it's like so I see his social media history similar to what I've seen in my family you say well Steve how do you know that well I had to go find some pictures I got to go get some pictures for us to use to write articles with but you see that and you begin to ask yourself well if this is a guy that has grown up attending games, home and away, gone to bowl games, has been completely all in when given the opportunity, why isn't he ready to be a Bulldog? And that is a reasonable question. I think it's also fair to say, too, you know what? Many of our kids did not have the same academic opportunities that C.J. Johnson does. Made a 35 on the ACT, so he's going to be able to get in anywhere, right? And so he owes it to himself to – investigate all of his options and then make a decision. Now, I am told that he is not going to let this thing go all the way to signing day, that even if he did announce, he is going to uh, inform the coaches of Mississippi State, either yay or nay, I'm coming. And so if he's not coming, Mississippi State, of course, can fill that spot with another player of hopefully comparable ability. I want C.J. Johnson to be a Bulldog for a couple reasons. Number one, I think it's great when kids that grow up get the chance to uh, play for their favorite team. I think that's a great thing. I think it also means a lot, too, that that jersey will probably just mean a little bit more to him. You know what I'm saying? It's like there are a lot of guys that are appreciative of the opportunity. Guys like CJ are living the dream. So there's a little more motivation. There's a little, there's a little more pride, okay? And I'm not trying to be negative about anybody else, but I'm just saying, you know, think about your own kids. I, listen, my oldest son played college baseball. 
And I'll be honest with you, he was not talented enough to play at Mississippi State. And that's I don't I'm not to say that he didn't have talent to play D one because he did. He was a very young graduate and uh, you know one of the youngest out of a thousand that graduated at Broadmoor High School. But he wasn't talented enough to play here because we're recruiting the best of the best. But I do know this, if he'd been given the opportunity to play here, he would have made that decision in about five seconds. But as simple as that, because that was the dream. And he went and played somewhere else, had a great experience, met his wife and uh, got his college degree and, and now doing great in life. But I know this, I know that if he had ever been given the opportunity to play college baseball at Mississippi State, there wouldn't have been a trip to Northwestern or to Penn State or to Alabama or to Ole Miss, or to Memphis, or to the W. We might not have even drawn the, gone the fast break. When they offered him the scholarship, he probably would have jumped in his truck and drove over there and committed in person. And probably would have stayed on the phone with John Cohen the whole way over, you know, because John was coaching back then. And so those are the things that I look at and I think about, and that's not to be negative about CJ, but to be a little negative about the situation. Because I, I can't imagine if he's coming to Mississippi State why the decision would be that difficult. I understand a lot of these offers didn't show up until late November, and there's a prohibition on official visits. And so you're kind of having to get to these things as you get to. But I don't feel great about it today. I have felt good about it much of the process, but I've really dug into it this week and reached out and talked to some people. And a lot of people that early on, once he got the offer, that were pretty much determined that he was going to commit to Mississippi State, they're no longer quite so sure. And that gives me reason to pause. Now, Katravian Hargrove uh, is announcing later today, and he has made no bones about it. Mississippi State is his leader. He's ready to go. And the only reason that he didn't commit last week is because he wanted to honor his cousin's birthday on January 27th and announced today. They're very close, basically best friends, and uh, he just wanted him to be a little part of the process. So, you know, we're ready to go. We're just kind of waiting for the announcements. A four-star running back rated a 92 by 247 Sports. Uh, got about 30, 40 offers, I guess. 35, 40 offers. And uh, kind of waited the process out. Had a huge year. Ran for over 1,500 yards as a junior. A little bit less than that this year because he had a knee injury early on. Kind of tried to play through it. I understand he's already had a procedure to kind of clean that up. And uh, we'll be good to go by the time we get into fall practice. But see, here's the thing. We don't have to rush that long. We don't have to rush that long. He's also a guy, too, that uh, averaged 27 yards a catch out of the backfield. This guy can really play. And so if you're looking for a best available player and you get a playmaker like him, you go get him. So I don't know what this does to the rankings, but it's going to help them. You know, and people have said all along with Steve, what do you think? I have felt from the beginning that we could get a top 30 class that was kind of best case scenario because of the fact that our in-state prospects just didn't have the star power they normally do. And then we had some other guys like Malik Neighbors committed to us and, of course, MJ Daniels. And then it seemed like a top 25 class was pretty much, an, you know, certain. Then you lose those guys and you bounce back out. And so, again, I think kind of like in basketball, it may not be exactly what we hoped we would be, but it's probably where we expected to be. Mike Leach, highest rated class he's ever signed, 28. 28. We might be end up right there around that. And uh, all things considered, the fact that, uh, you know, the global pandemic, and listen, I know we're all dealing with it, but the lack of in-state talent and a first-year staff uh, with limited relationship within the state of Mississippi – yeah, I think it's probably the best that you could hope for. A lot, lot of evaluations this year were kind of guesswork and based off film. 
And so I, I think all in, all in all, we've done pretty well. And I think we've worked the transfer portal really well. That, don't, that will not reflect in the rankings. We've got three guys that were starters of the schools, and I think we feel good about, uh, about their prospects kind of moving forward. So next time we get together, we'll probably be breaking down Contravian Hargrove again and uh, kind of preparing for the last two spots. I still expect Ty Cooper, defensive end from Louisville, to be one of those, and then C.J. Johnson or another defensive back on the other. And uh, we'll get into those options on Friday. I look forward to being back with you guys then. If you hadn't done so, let me encourage you to go to alphadogsthebook.com and order yourself personalized copies of Flim Flam, Stark Villains, and Alpha Dogs. You can get them right there. Signed somebody's birthday present earlier this week. Had to go over there and do that. And uh, happy to do it. And Valentine's Day is coming up. And uh, what better way to show the Bulldog fan in your life that you love them than by ordering yourself and ordering them personalized copies of those books. And you know what? If you already have the books, you need to rep the brand and wear the gear. Go to StarkVillains.com and order yourself a Stark Villain t-shirt and hoodie. And again, if you love someone, you will spend a lot of money on them. Life has shown that. And uh, we wish you would do that at Alpha Dogs, the book, and at Stark Villains. Listen, we look forward to being back with you guys on Friday. Have a great, great, great week. Have a great week. I'm glad to get this thing done today. And uh, again, basically, once I get this thing published, I'm kind of done for day for today for on the Mississippi State side of things. I will probably have to write a uh, scouting report on Katravian Hargrove. I look forward to doing that. His film is absolutely explosive, and so we'll get that up for you too. And then uh, again, it's going to be a, a big good day today, I believe. And so I look forward to being back with you guys uh, on Friday, and uh, we'll have a lot to discuss too as we kind of preview that uh, you know that ball game against Iowa State. And so looking forward to that, and then we'll kind of preview our options uh, for the final two spots because I think we're, uh, think we're pretty much there. I think we're almost there. I think we're really just down to one spot now for National Signing Day. But until next time, let's all live our lives in a way we make more friends than enemies and people can see a difference in the way we live. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.